and welcome to Spawned, a common sense, generally helpful, and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we are talking about helping your kids with reading at home. Whether your kids need a little more help at home these days, or they're homeschooled, or maybe they're not even in school yet at all, we've got a very cool expert guest, language expert Dr. Cindy Blanco, to talk to us about some really good tips that can make a difference for those of us with kids who are maybe struggling a little bit these days. And as always, we'll close our show with our cool picks of the week, and we'll be back with lots of great ideas right after this. Today's episode of Spawned is sponsored by Duolingo ABC. Now, you probably already know Duolingo as the most popular language learning app around the world, but you may not have tried the brand new Duolingo ABC, which was designed to help all kids learn to read and write in English. And yay, it's totally free. We all know how important it is to master literacy skills in early childhood, and Duolingo ABC includes more than 300 fun, bite-sized, interactive lessons so kids three to seven have a great time learning the alphabet, phonics, and sight words, all in just one five-minute lesson at a time. If you have an early reader on your hands, the app also includes 50 more complex lessons just for first graders, and they're just as fun and engaging. Plus, the app is entirely aligned with Common Core standards and recommendations from the National Reading Panel. So no wonder half a million kids are already making progress with Duolingo ABC. Now, since it's launch in the spring, Duolingo ABC has added terrific features that parents have asked for, like parents skip ahead and name challenges for kids learning to spell and write names. And great news for big families or homeschool pods, each account can support up to eight profiles at a time, which is perfect for 2020. Download the Duolingo ABC app free from the App Store and get your child reading and writing today. Just search for Duolingo ABC at the Apple App Store. So let us introduce you to our very impressive guest today. Yes, indeed. I know. I'm reading this and going, what a cool background. This is, I don't think we've ever had anyone like this on Spawned before. Dr. Cindy Blanco is a language expert. I think that's kind of like one of my dream jobs if I weren't doing this, Kristen. Well, also if you spoke many other languages, Liz. No, no kidding. I mean, but how fun would that be to just like, oh my gosh. spend your life learning languages? So fun. So Cindy has a master's in Hispanic linguistics as well as a master's and doctorate in language acquisition and bilingualism. Her postdoctoral research in cognitive psychology at Northwestern University was focused on the processing of first and second languages by infants children and adults. She was born in New York, so shout out to New York. Woo! And she's from a Cuban and Italian family and has always been interested in language, as you can imagine, Kristen. Yes. So here's her list, okay? She speaks English, Spanish, and she studied French, Catalan, Russian, Italian, American Sign Language, and now she's learning Portuguese. She also happens to be a senior learning scientist at Duolingo, which is not just the maker of one of our all-time favorite educational apps, as our listeners know, but they happen to be this week's awesome sponsor. So welcome, Dr. Blanco. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I feel like I should be like thanking you in six different languages or something. No. <laughs> and I feel like I should be enunciating. <laughs> no, 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 no. Fascinated by languages, both yours and and those spoken all over the world. So I'm just observing and loving and not judging. 
Oh, good. Because Kristen, I feel like after this, she's going to be like, hmm, Liz says like a lot. And Kristen does this thing with her, <laughs> like her L's or something. No, no, it's even worse. I know where, where you guys are from. And so I'm just thinking about like all the interesting things that make a Philly accent or like an Eastern Pennsylvania accent different from a New York City accent. Or, you know, I was born on Long Island. And so all my family on Long Island, just thinking about all the different ways that language affects how we connect and speak. And I love, I love these accents. And I, and I will say, you do not sound like a lot of the people I know from Long Island. So clearly that's the influence yeah. of much language studying in your life. <laughs> well, it's, it's the influence of me moving to North Carolina when I was nine. I am sure that had something to do with me turning into a linguist, that all I could think about was accents because I showed up in North Carolina with a very strong Long Island accent. You know, I probably would have said spawned. Spawned. <laughs> spawned. <laughs> After growing up in North Carolina, I just say spawned. I went to a summer camp in like far east Long Island when I was a kid for a few years and I would come back each August saying, Mom, throw this in the garbage. And she was like, you're not going there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, tell us yes. a little bit more about what it means to be a learning scientist from a language perspective and how did you get into it? Yeah. So being a learning scientist means that I'm an expert on like how you learn and how you teach. So kind of what has to be happening in your brain in order for you to learn information. And the information that I care the most about is language information. So how do you learn languages? How should we be teaching you languages? And this is something that I got interested in probably when I was like three or four, <laughs> you know, when I was really tiny. I always heard Spanish around me in my extended family. And I just was intrigued by like the secret language system that they all had. And so since the time I was tiny, I was just always really interested in other languages and other words and and how you get your brain to integrate all of these different languages. How does that happen? Mm, I am fascinated by it myself, although I took a different turn and used my education with the language of music, which is a whole oh, other yeah. course of study when it comes to languages. But I can see the fascination. And, you know, I'm kind of wishing that you didn't know where we were from, because that would have been a fun game, oh, no. right, Liz? <laughs> Guess us from our accents. Guess us from our accents. But so you focus on how people learn languages at different ages, right? And so I really want to talk about more of how children learn language and the connection to literacy as so many of us, you know, our kids read. I know our kids are older. My nine-year-old has struggled with reading and has gotten definitely better over the last couple of years, but a lot of parents are now responsible for teaching their kids to read. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, what is helpful? What's important for parents to know about this? Well, so children, when we think about how they are learning language, so, you know, thinking about a kid, growing up learning English. Learning how to speak and understand English is really different. It's a different kind of problem for the brain to solve than it is to learn how to read in English. So reading is a very, very different kind of skill. And so kids have it really good when we think about them being little language learners, right? They have a lot of free time. Um, they're immersed <laughs> in whatever language you're speaking at home. They have access to these excellent language teachers, right? Their parents, their family, they get lots of interaction and input and people repeat things and engage with them. So because they're really good at learning languages, it's sometimes easy for us grown-ups to forget that reading is a different skill. And that's where some of the challenges come in, that learning to read, this literacy skill is all about making these abstract 
connections. Mm. If we think about writing, writing is really a whole bunch of arbitrary squiggles, you know, that there are just these all these like curves and lines and wiggly forms on a page, but we give them meaning abstractly. There's nothing about an M that inherently makes it sound like a M. And so when kids are learning to read, they have to make this connection between something they know in their head, how to pronounce sounds in their language, and this kind of really hard abstract system that we grown-ups came up with for them to have to learn. And so they're trying to map sounds to those arbitrary squiggles. And this is a really challenging cognitive process. It's so, so abstract. And as all parents know, it's really hard to explain abstract things to kids. Yeah, for sure. You know, it makes me think there was an article that came out. It might have even been like a Malcolm Gladwell thing. I'm not sure. But there's a theory that the reason a lot of people from Asian countries process math more quickly than English speakers has to do with the language and what the words are for the numbers, that it's like an easier system of the oh, language uh-huh. for the numbers. So you're, you you have shorter, simpler, more connective words to define the numbers in your head as you're doing math and how much like our language may actually hold us back from processing quickly. Did you see that? So I don't know that one in particular, but I, I know some other related work and right because language is very so much with how they capture all of the the different things Mm -hmm. in the world, things that we value, things that we want to talk about, that there are some ways that our language influences how we process and how how we understand things. And so that can be a great advantage. It can also be really challenging. And so thinking about those, those little squiggles, right, letters that I mentioned earlier, English is particularly challenging mm-hmm. in this way because we do this really awful thing where we sometimes we have one letter that can mean lots of different sounds. So like we talk about a hard C or a soft C. The bane yeah. of my existence. Yep, same. <laughs> yeah. I sit there with my nine-year-old and I'm like, does that make sense? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and she's like, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. Poor kid. It doesn't. That's the thing. Right, so one letter <laughs> can mean a whole bunch of different sounds, but it works the other way. That one sound can be represented by a whole bunch of different letters. You know, so the E sound in beef is two E's, but the E sound in peace is I-E, if I mean a piece of paper, or if I mean world peace, then it's E-A. So you have to learn that E can be E-E, E-A, I-E, probably E-I if you gave me enough time to think of examples. English is really bad at this. It's like that funny bit about how the word fish could be spelled G-H-O-T-I. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great example, right? That if you take, I'm going to get it wrong, but if you take the G-H from enough, uh-huh. where it's a uh, if you take the O in women, I, and the T-I in nation, you could have fish, G-H-O-T-I. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite word nerd things. It makes me also think of the Bare Naked Ladies alphabet song, where they basically go through the entire alphabet and the letters don't sound like the letters that we know them as, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important reminder for parents. But, you know, if we had to take that information, right, this idea that it's abstract concepts, right, and that it's all about connections, and we actually put it to use when we're helping our kids read, which is A, keep your cool, parents. (laughs) Don't go off on your children, she says, talking to herself. What are some other ways we can use that info? Like, we know this now. You have told us, you know, this is how it is, right? It's abstract. It's difficult. How can we use that to inform what we're doing with our kids other than, you know, (laughs) not running around screaming? Yeah. So one thing I think that's a useful way to think about this is kind of separating this big idea of reading or literacy into even just 
the sounds and the squiggles, right? The letters. And so there are things that your child needs to be learning about sounds, you know, all the different words that start with ma. And that's something that you can talk about, that you can engage with them even before they've started identifying letters themselves. This is something that you can play with little kids. You know, let's think of all the things in this room that start with ma or ba or you know, all these different sounds. Having this awareness of sounds is something that's necessary for literacy. And then you can almost think of like some of that letter information separately, right? So they also have to make connections between things like you know, a big letter E, a capital E looks different from a lowercase E. And so there's a lot of like written script information that they're learning too. And so there's like the sound stuff, the letter stuff, and then connecting the two. And I think it's natural for us as like proficient, practiced, grown-up readers, people have been doing this for decades, to kind of jump to making the connections right away. But that doesn't have to be the case. You can also kind of break it down into these smaller parts and, you know, do fun things with sounds, do fun things with letters and matching. You know, letters lend themselves really easily to art. And so there's lots of things that you can do to break that big problem down into these smaller parts, even while also building those connections. Not not everything has to be the biggest, hardest problem, that connection problem. That's so helpful. And we've shared a lot of that stuff over the years on Cool Mom Picks, like fun exercises and coloring pages Mm -hmm. with just the letter M. And so it's nice to hear that reinforced that that actually really does help. So I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the most common reasons that kids struggle to read and what we can do about it? And I'm also curious whether those problems are the same regardless of language or if they're specific to English, because I know one of the cool things that I like about it Duolingo is how much you know about how people learn languages. Are the reasons kids struggle in English different than the rest of the world or the same? These are great questions. I'm going to start with that that first one. Like, you know, what are some of the reasons that, that kids struggle to read in general? And the good news here is that a lot of these reasons are things that parents really can help with, you know, that do kind of feel in your control. One of those reasons is a lack of access to books or reading practice that kids just aren't getting enough time either listening to you read or practicing reading themselves. So we can think of like access as one challenge. Another challenge is confidence in their ability, Mm. you know, which is really heartbreaking, but really common. Yeah. If they're doing this hard task and if they're not getting it right, that doesn't feel good. And grownups don't like to keep getting things wrong either, you know? So there's ways that we could talk about, you know, how to build up their confidence, how to motivate them better to learn to read. Then there's some that are a little bit more challenging, like lack of effective instruction. You know, we've already been talking a lot about how the real key to literacy is making all of these different connections. And so sometimes you might find some programs or some apps that are focusing on just part of this problem, maybe just phonics or just sight words or, you know, just one of the many, many things kids need to figure out when they're learning literacy skills. And so it's important to find instructional tools that are really looking at reading from all of these different angles. And of course, yeah, uh, some kids will struggle to read because of learning disabilities. And that's where if you're a parent and you think your kid is having more trouble reading than they should be for their age, for their development, I would start with addressing some of the things that are in your control, you know, access to reading practice, Lots and lots of reading practice, different kinds of reading practice, reading words, reading stories, you know, reading things around the kitchen when you're out driving. Cereal boxes. That was a big one for us. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... (laughs) Again, like thinking back to four-year-old Cindy, who was very obsessed with language, like I can remember just staring way too long at the breakfast table and just reading, I don't know, the nutrition facts. What was Mm -hmm. I reading? (laughs) That's 
great. Me. I'm raising my hand here from the podcasting closet. I totally read every ingredient. Yeah. And I tell my daughter who has struggled with reading, right, and who is a reluctant reader, probably because she struggles with reading, right? It's like this sort of bad cycle. I mean, I'm like reading is life. I'm like, look at all the reading that is around us. Look at all the words. If you want to know how to make that cake, Mm -hmm. you need to be able to read the box. And so to really personalize it and say, like, this is how we live. Sometimes I think, at least for her, kind of put that connection as you were talking about, right? Those abstract connections in a way. I know it's not exactly the same, but that really helped her put things together. And so, listen, we know that some parents differentiate, right, between reading books and reading on screens, right? And I think this is a big deal. Like, this is like a cocktail party discussion. I don't know about you, Liz, but it's like real books or screen books. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll just call it out. There's some sanctimony around, well, we only have real books in the house. And I think yes, like, yeah. okay, e-readers, those are real books. Right, right. They're, <laughs> They're books. not on paper. They're books. But, you know, in our own experience, reading is reading and whatever you can get kids reading is good, whether it's graphic novels, comic books, like whatever it is. Cereal boxes. Have them read cereal boxes. So can you share some of the research on what counts as sort of this good reading on screens type of thing? Yeah, I totally agree. Reading is good reading, whether it's cereal box, whether it's t-shirts that they have in their closet, or if it's reading a graphic novel, a non-graphic novel, right? Just like any kind of reading is good reading. And back to the point you made just before that I think ties in really, really well here is that Being adaptive is so important when you're guiding your child's reading. You want them to be interested. You want them to be motivated. And so if reading that recipe on a screen is the door for them into this Mm. skill, do it. Keeping them engaged and motivated is so much a part of learning any skill or any information. And that's true for little kids. And that's true for grownups too. There's certainly a thing as like too much screen time. I've been working from home on Zoom for seven months. (laughs) Like many of us, right? We can all relate to this, Cindy, for sure. There there is too much screen time, but it's important to distinguish like too much in terms of quality. You can make really good screen time. And I think reading, right? Building that kind of skill, that's a good kind of screen time. Anytime the child is engaged, either with what's happening on the screen or if the screen itself invites engagement, you know, between family members or between a parent and a child, you know, they're doing something together, that that interaction, that engagement is absolutely what counts for me as good screen time. You know, watching YouTube videos, perhaps passively, might not be the best screen time, but if a child is responding, if the child has to do something with what they're seeing or hearing, or there's a game, that kind of engagement and interaction for me is is what makes screen time valuable. And we've always differentiated that too, which I appreciate you saying that. I because, feel validated. Yes, I do too, because, you know, we've talked about this. The research validates The you. research yes. validates us, but you do too, Cindy. We like to be liked. <laughs> so let's talk about apps for a second, because yes. we've been, yes. speaking of screen time, fans of all kinds of educational apps over the years to support learning and Duolingo, you work for them, and it's been such a huge hit with parents, including our own totally. readers for teaching yes. kids foreign languages. I yes. think I actually even shared it once on the Today Show is one of my favorite educational apps. It's so good. I really love it. So I want to know why you thought there was a need to get into an English-only version that's really about English literacy with Duolingo ABC. Like, what does it do for kids that's different from Duolingo 
that most parents are familiar with. And what does it do for kids that's different from other reading or literacy apps that are already out there and available? Because there are some good ones. Yeah. So Duolingo, the grown-up version or the big kid version, is teaching second languages to someone who already knows the language, right? Duolingo ABC is different because it's teaching those reading and writing skills in your first language, in the language you already know. Um, And so this was something that was really important to us to change focus, to add focus onto literacy, because we know that students who have low reading levels, this is a problem that extends through all parts of their life. That if you have a lower reading level, you're more likely to have poor grades, behavioral problems, In school, you might be repeating more school years, and low literacy is even related to school dropout rate entirely. Mm. And so for us, Duolingo ABC is part of this larger goal that we have as a company to develop the best education in the world, make it universally available, and having strong literacy skills just opens the door to learning all these other kinds of information. One of the reasons I like Duolingo, by the way like personal endorsement is because when I was reading about the founder, like they have a serious commitment to education. This to me is kind of like what Khan Academy does, like where it really Mm -hmm. comes from a passion for education and getting it out free to a lot of people. So I thought that was lovely. Like I really care about companies and their missions and who they are and their values. And so it must feel really good to work for people who genuinely care about this. And it's not just like a marketing opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's totally right. Our CEO, Luis Bonan, is from Guatemala and so grew up firsthand seeing this really close link between literacy and educational achievement and poverty have outcomes. And even as a Spanish speaker there, as he was learning English and trying to come to college in the U.S., you know, doing that kind of studying, doing that kind of test taking to, to prove his English ability, he saw really firsthand all of the different ways that language in terms of literacy and second language and language testing, how important it is to make learning more equitable for everyone. And so we really do believe that here. We're all we're all fighting for that. Yes. And I think anyone who's ever read anything about Malala understands the importance of education yes. and literacy <laughs> oh and that gosh. it's not available to everyone yes. the way it is here even. That's a great point. So let's talk about how parents can use Duolingo ABC in a way that enhances what they're learning right now. Because we've got kids who are being homeschooled. We've got kids who are doing online schooling. We've got kids who are doing hybrid learning. We've got kids that are turning on their Zoom while they walk out of the room and pretend that they're still there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you know, as parents, right, it's hard to keep up, obviously. We've talked very openly about how we are struggling in various ways to keep up. And this is so important, right? It's not just another thing. And I think that parents need to hear that, right? Like, this is not just another thing. This is a valuable tool. So talk about how this enhances what kids are already doing right now and what they're already learning. Yeah. So some Something that I really believe, and my colleagues really believe as well, is that learning itself should be fun and engaging. And so I think you see that in Duolingo ABC, that every lesson, every part of the app is meant to feel good, to feel like a game, a game that has very specific learning value, right? Every single activity is meant to achieve a particular learning objective. And so I don't want to separate learning from enjoyment. I wouldn't want kids to think that like you have to do the hard, boring thing in order to be rewarded. And sometimes you see that in other apps where there's like the learning part and then the game part is separate. And that is not the approach that we take. 
And so you'll see that in all of our lessons, all the activities are meant to drive kids towards this goal of learning a particular letter sound pair, of getting them to read a new story. We've really worked to make sure that we don't separate that, that every bit of it feels good and is age appropriate, right? So the app is designed for kids three and up. So there's uh, like preschool modules, there's a preschool component, we have kindergarten lessons, we have first grade lessons, and hopefully by the end of the school year, we'll have the second grade lessons out there too. Oh, that's so great. That's awesome. And you know, in our OutTech Your Kids Facebook group, we are hearing from a lot of parents with younger kids Mm -hmm. who are struggling, right? Getting them to sit in front of the computer, trying to get them to complete their lessons. So this is so great. That is the age group that this is focused on. Yes. Are those kids who are learning so so many essential, not that my big kids aren't learning essential things too, but I'm not as worried about geometry as I am about reading. <laughs> well, right, exactly, because reading is this gateway to all other kinds yes. of information. Yes. And so if you can get kids to have solid reading skills as early as you can, this gives them better access to learning math, to learning geometry, to learning science, to learning social studies, to reading books for fun, you know, and, that, and that's something I know parents love to see that their kids are seeking out opportunities themselves. And so we really hope that a tool like Duolingo ABC gets kids in that direction. And it sounds like such a great use of technology too. So it really utilizes so many of the senses and the ways that we love to see tech being used with kids. So that is awesome. So to end here, we don't want to stop talking to you because this is fascinating, but we, you know, we got (laughs) to, we got to let you get back to your work, but we need encouragement, right? Parents, we need Mm -hmm. a little boost right now. There are so many parents struggling, particularly as it comes to, you know, their kids' basic literacy skills. We know that's a problem. We're hearing it from parents. So if you could give us, you know, just one tip, one word of encouragement, what would that be? I I think it's really important for parents to feel comfortable being adaptive. You don't need to take a one-size-fits-all approach. There's not one good way to do things. Find what works for you and your child and what motivates them, whether it's language and literacy games or using technology or art or motivate them with these different topics, you know, whether it's books about jokes or Star Wars or animals, be really adaptive in finding what works for your child. It doesn't have to be any particular thing. It doesn't have to be the same across all of your kids or all the kids in your pod or class. And I love that reminder. I think that's a great way to end because I will just say those of us with more than one kid, if you've got an oldest kid who reads really quickly. Yes. Nothing knocks the smug out of you like having a second kid has totally different <laughs> or a issues. fourth kid in my house. <laughs> so it's a good reminder that kids are who they are and we just have to adapt to who they are. So listen, where can we find you if our listeners want to learn more about your work, Cindy, and what you're doing or if they have questions about language or even about Duolingo ABC? So you can find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle there is at yeah, that's Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's Cindy. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn if that's more your style. I'm still Cindy Blanco there. And I'm, yeah, happy to reach out. I mean, I could talk about this for a whole other episode too. Um, so yeah, if you have questions or want to reach out, definitely find me there. Perfect. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Cindy, you are our guest, so that means you get to go first. Mm, Great. Um, So I have found this app called All Trails. 
for hiking. Do you know that? Yes, I do. It is so good, but I'll let you talk about it. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. So I love hiking. I loved hiking before the pandemic. And now that there are not as many fun options of things to do, hiking has taken over like a new role in my life. And I love this All Trails app because there's so much information there about trails that are around you. It has like a location feature. You can find things that are in your town or just outside your town. What I like the most about, I think, is the crowdsourced information that, you know, you can pick a trail that maybe you're thinking about doing. People upload their own pictures that they've taken on the trail and people leave really great notes about cool offshoots of the trail or like one I did last weekend held my hand exactly from where I parked in the parking lot and told me how to walk and how far to walk to get to the trail I wanted to. And so it has made me a lot more confident kind of exploring new trails. There's so much information there. And I have really loved using that to, to get out of my uh, my little apartment during the pandemic. Yeah, it's fantastic, especially if you're hiking with kids and you're not sure if the terrain is going to be good for them. People leave very detailed yes. reviews and they'll tell you like, at this point, watch out for the large rock. You know, It's like, it's kind of insane, actually. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, okay. So how about you, Kristen? What's your cool pick this week? All right, so you may have heard about this show and you may have heard differing things about this show, but I loved it. It's Emily in Paris on Netflix. I've heard. I heard. Is it like a little controversial? I've been hearing some buzz no, about it. I don't know about controversial. I just think it's hmm. just kind of just like a little cheesy. It's a little, you know, it's set in Paris, obviously, hence the name. How much French is there? A lot of French. <laughs> Says the linguist. There is a lot of French. And it is, oh, you know, good. it's okay. There's a lot of French. It appears, I don't know them, that they used mostly. French actors. So Lily Collins is really the only American in the show other than her boss, Kate Walsh, who you know from Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice. Everyone else on the show, French actors, lots of French, lots of Paris. And you know what? You just have to kind of take it for what it is, right? <laughs> we are not learning deep things about ourselves watching this show. And it was created by Darren Starr, who yes. did Sex in the City, as I recall. Yes. So my guess is I haven't seen it, but I would imagine if you liked that, maybe you would like this. Yeah, it's super fun and and just lighthearted and it's sort of the salve that I feel like many of us need right now and you know I was just in Paris a couple years ago it's beautiful it's just wonderful to hear the music the soundtrack is actually great so if you just need something fun and light and don't read into it you know yes it's a little silly and goofy but <laughs> Emily in Paris I thoroughly enjoyed it and binged it oh, I won't even say but over over one weekend <laughs> <laughs> no shame no guilt nope how about you Liz so my cool pick of the week very simple is flu shots yes. that's my cool pick of the week please yes. please please get one for you and your family we just wrote a whole post on cool mom picks about why it's important you've probably heard that like it's more important now during ever because of covid and what i want to point out is it's not because it will protect you from covid per se it's because well first of all we all want to be healthy but generally this time of year like fall into spring we start seeing a lot of emergency room cases for severe flu cases and we can cannot have our hospitals overrun with flu cases at the same time that COVID cases could be going up. So you're not only protecting yourself and your family, you are listening to our healthcare heroes and respecting their work in our hospitals and trying to keep everyone as healthy as possible right now. So it's doing good for you and doing good for others. Flu shots, cool pick of the week. Awesome. Well, don't forget that everything we talked about on the show will be live over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. Go to coolmompicks.com. And of course, you can hit us up on social. Why? 
while you're chatting Cindy up on Twitter. We're Cool Mom Picks on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can always drop us an email, spawned at coolmompicks.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, to our guest, Dr. Cindy Blanco, and a big thanks to our sponsor, Duolingo, makers of the brand new, totally free Duolingo ABC app. Download it now. It is so good. And hey, we'd love hearing from all of you. Yes, you, the one going, me? Who, me? <laughs> you, that's who I'm talking to. So please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reach out to us. Make sure to subscribe. In fact, you can do it right now. Just click subscribe while you're listening, and then it's all done. Easiest thing you'll probably do all day. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.